Good morning. Good morning, heart and soul. Thank you for tuning in from home or car or bed or wherever it is that you are, coffee shop, anywhere at the lake, at the wherever you are, thank you for tuning in for heart and soul. And some of you may be watching this as a recorded experience. And so I'm just grateful um, that you are including us. And once again, I just remind full of people in the room that we need to have here to support us in delivering this service to you, but also in preparation for when the doors are open. Now, you know, I am reticent to project yet another date. And also, I am just courageous in that way. So I'm just going to say that we are envisioning that we will not have the doors open unless there's some amazing notification from the CDC and Alameda County Public Health. We're expecting that we'll be closed to congregants throughout February and then revisit it for March. I have to say, though, for some who are really paying attention, that there was an indication, you know, March makes it two years. And for those of us who were involved in some of those early meetings, you know that the news that, or, or the projections that we got were the kind of projections that we were reticent to even share with people because the groaning and just the heartbreak and the grief began in that moment. And I think now we can see that it may be a full two years before we can reasonably, safely, um, using all of our facilities that the divine has offered us to sense that it is now time for us to do the new thing. Because, you know, we're not going back. I hope we're clear about that, that this is not, a, oh, I can't wait to get back. There is no back. Because if, in, and in fact, we need to talk really probably on a personal level, get you scheduled with a practitioner, if you are believing that in your life you going back to something. Because that is not the intention for living. Living is forward motion, and you know on this adventure in faith, we have already declared that we're moving forward together. There will be no back. The most we'll do is in a Sankofa kind of way is just tag back to get our bearings. You understand what I'm saying? To just tag back, check and see where I am, where I've been, okay. Now I know where I'm going. Now I know exactly what I'm packing for the journey. So look, here's, I've, I often am reminding you that although I'm the one that you see on mic, the majority, it's my voice that you, you hear. It, it's, th there's a lot of the Reverend Andriette presence as the, and it makes sense, I'm the founder and I'm the senior minister of Heart and Soul, but I'm not the only one doing this. Because even before we literally had our, our um, affiliation agreement with what was then United Church of Religious Science, because we were just, we were in the flow of making the change, moving towards uniting and coming up with what is now Centers for Spiritual Living. So even as we first got this clear vision of what we were up to, I had major support. And I have to say, I'm not clear that we would be here if I hadn't. I mean, I know that my needs are always met 
I'm always provided with what's required. This provision was some kind of wonderful, though. I have to say, this provision really let me see that this was doable by me. You know, I'd never founded no church before and wasn't thinking that I would be. And there were two people in particular. There were, there were a cadre of folks on whom I relied for advice and counsel and holding my heart and wiping my tears and supporting me through the process because it was a process. What I'm talking about now, the folks I'm talking about now are the two ministers who met me right where I was at the time and said, oh yeah, we're here for the duration. We are here, you can count on us for this forward motion. And in fact, in 2009, September, we began our moving forward together in the formation about mid-September, the formation of Heart and Soul Center of Light. It was mid-October that we got our affiliation with center, what has become Centers for Spiritual Living, and it was November 4th that we held our first service at African Children's, at the, Advanced Afri the Adv African Children's Advanced Learning Center. And so those folks are Reverend Angelo Allen, who was a new minister at the time, and Reverend Jack Elliott, who is our founding board member. And although Reverend Jack has never had a letter of call at Heart and Soul, he has served as a consultant for HR. He's an HR professional, a tremendous HR, an amazing HR professional. So he has served in that way as our board president and ecclesiastical consult. So it's been all the things. Can you see how it was covered? Now, of course, I have some colleagues and some friends who also poured in, and I give thanks for them. But today, I'm dedicating to our founding ministerial team, Reverend Angelo Allen and Reverend Jack Elliott. Ernest Holmes says this about ministerial leadership. He says that ministerial leadership is spiritual leadership. There's a part of me that just wants to kind of pause and, and let us take that in, but then I realize that if you're not a minister, that may not mean much. What it means is that there is an organizational piece that is also present, and he's like, there's a bunch of folks that's going to help you do that. But for the spiritual leadership, you're going to have to do that yourself. You must do your work. He says it is a leadership that can only come automatically as a result of your having had a spiritual inward experience. Can you see the separation there? So your, your organizational leadership, many of us have had corporate leadership experience. And let me just say I'm grateful for that because I use that daily and all the time. I am so grateful to have updated that and brought it and been able to apply it in so many ways, but this ain't that. This is a leadership that comes from my own relationship 
with the living one, with the strong one, my awareness of, my reliance on. And that's the leadership that the minister is required to bring. A spiritual leader, Ernest Holmes says, and this was from, he said this in 1955, a spiritual leader must be one who leads people into the realization of some hope. Now, y'all need to know, that's what I think I do. So in my mind, in my imagination, in my vision, that's what I think I'm executing, that I am providing, I'm encouraging, I am stimulating, I'm inspiring some inward awareness that he says by some different instinctive knowledge that you already possess but perhaps have not yet experienced. See, I'm not giving you nothing you don't have. I'm shaking you, waking you in a way. My job is to shake you up. Some may say slap you around a little bit if they need to. I'm just, just a little warned and be aware. But my, my role, my job officially is to shake and wake you into an awareness that you had it all the time. So that you can begin to put it into words for yourself so that you can begin to claim it as your reality. And so today, you get to hear from my co-founders in ministry, in the ministry of Heart and Soul Center of Life. And so I am beyond honored to bring you right now Reverend Angelo Allen, and then shortly thereafter, after a musical interlude, will be Reverend Jack Albert, my brothers in God. Good morning. For those of you who may not know me, my name is Reverend Angelo Allen, and I am a founding minister here at Heart and Soul Center of Light, along with Reverend Dr. Andriette Earl and Reverend Jack Elliott. I really feel honored just to be able to say that, just to be able to say I was part of that original cohort that way back in 2009 came together to support Reverend Andriette in realizing her call to ministry, to bring forth an inclusive spiritual center that could make a positive impact on the planet. As many of you know, our vision as a spiritual center is to be a loving and compassionate, world-class teaching and empowerment ministry. What you may not know is that the genesis of that vision came about solely because of Reverend Andriette's willingness to accept that as her call. So part of why I am here today is to talk about the call to ministry and, and try to get a handle around, well, what is that? Ernest Holmes described the call as a cosmic urge, an impulse planted by the divine, a.k.a. God, in the one who is receiving the call. And because God is limitless and perfect, that impulse operating through the one receiving the call must ultimately manifest. Now, that not only describes what a call to ministry is, it also describes how it works. 
a formless, invisible, intangible idea is delivered out of the perfect mind of God, received in the heart of a human being who then brings that God-inspired idea into the world in a way that has perfect form and function. Here's what I know about a call to ministry. It's a highly individualized realization. Now, some ministers seem to know from day one what their call to ministry is. Some know that they, for example, want to be a pulpit minister like Reverend Dr. Andriette, or that they want to move into a special focus ministry like the brilliant work that our own Reverend Jack Elliott is doing through Elder Pride. Some know that they want to be a pastoral minister caring for a flock and embracing those who are abandoned or sick, unhoused, in prison, or whatever the case may be. My point is that there are countless pathways to express a call to ministry. The only requirement is that one needs to hear the call and accept the call. And so with that backdrop in mind, I want to share with you my own perhaps curious path to ministry and certainly circuitous path to my call to ministry. In November of 2009, I was a brand new minister, and that's when we opened the doors for public services at Heart and Soul Center of Life for the very first time. I had had my ministerial license for less than 90 days. And in a spirit of absolute transparency, I have to tell you, I had no idea after four years of rigorous ministerial training what my call to ministry was. And that left me feeling, frankly, disappointed and confused. But here's what I know about confusion. I know that within every cloud of confusion, there is the shining light of an opportunity to have a revelation of truth. And so I began that journey, unbeknownst to me, one day shortly after we first opened the doors, when Reverend Andrea came to me and said, you know, Heart and Soul Center of Light needs to have a Department of Education through which we can operate classes uh, on a regular basis and uh, educational programs of various kinds, workshops, what have you. And I want you, Reverend Angelo, if you're willing, to be the director of education for Heart and Soul. Well, my jaw just about hit the ground because the truth is I had zero experience setting up any kind of framework for an, an ap academic structure that would support what she just described. No experience at all. And so I needed to tell Reverend Andriette, well, what I actually said was, yes, Reverend Andriette, I am willing. And so I became Heart and Soul's first Director of Education. Now, about three weeks after that, Reverend Andriette came back to me and said, you know, Heart and Soul needs to have a youth and family ministry somewhere where young children and spanning an age range from about four years old up through pre-adolescence, where they can receive education about science of mind, have age-appropriate activities and fun, and also where their 
parents, their families can be fully engaged in helping make all that happen. It needs to be a vibrant place within the life of the church. And so, Reverend Angelo, I would like you, if you're willing, to please, in addition to being director of education, be the director of youth and family. At this point, I just took off my jaw and put it in my pocket because it's just going to fall at the floor again. But I said, yes, Reverend Andriette, I am willing. Once again, without the faintest idea of how would I, I would approach the enormity of this task. Everything that is involved from doing background checks on anybody who would come within six feet of a minor, um, understanding how to handle food for children, you know, with the reality of, of allergies, curriculum, um, having the space, having the supplies, all of it. And that's just skimming the surface. I had no idea how to do any of that stuff, no experience. I was just willing. A few years later, Heart and Soul was buzzing right along, and there we had about 20 to 25 ministry circles. And ministry circles are just functions within the church, such as, you know, like the bookstore, um, the operating the sound, facilities management, beautification, about 25 um, areas like that that are staffed by uh, a ministry circle leader and supported by volunteers under that leader. And Reverend Andriette came to me once again, and said, you know, Heart and Soul Center of Light is a visioning church, and I need every one of our ministry circles to be actively engaged in visioning for any activity or any endeavor that they want to do. And so I'm asking Reverend Angelo if you'd be willing to be our visioning coordinator in addition to the other stuff. Now, I had never been a visioning coordinator. I had seen it done. But I really didn't have a, a sense of how I would approach that task. But of course, I said, yes, Reverend Andriette, I am willing. And so that happened in congruence with some of those other tasks that were still going on. And a few years later, in about 2018, um, I was also delivering the Sunday service sometimes, the Sunday talk. And I had just done a talk one Sunday when uh, a congregant at the end of service came up to me and said, Reverend Angelo, I love the messaging that comes forth at Heart and Soul Center of Light, but I feel very strongly that we need to be live streaming. Now, back then, I barely understood what live streaming was. I thought it was something like television. I couldn't understand at that time, you know, what the value was. But I said, I'll look into it and see if it has any application for, you know, heart and soul. Well, that led me into investigating live streaming and reading article after article. I attended a seminar. I actually spoke to a few industry leaders and really began to see how uh, live streaming could not only expand awareness around our brand, but expand our audience around the world. And so understanding that that application of, of technology could help heart and soul, I quickly turned out a lightweight proposal for the board and sent it over. Now, a board of trustees can't do 
everything that comes before it. And I think, you know, they rightly decided, well, there's no urgency around doing live streaming right now. We'll put this on the back burner for later consideration. And I was fine with that until March of 2020. In March of 2020, it all got real with the onset of the worldwide global pandemic, where organizations and businesses and certainly churches in the United States and beyond were precluded from public assembly. We could no longer come together inside of a sanctuary in order to deliver the services that Heart and Soul was accustomed to delivering. And so Reverend Andrea quickly reached out to me and said, you remember that proposal you did? Beef it up a little bit. I would like to have your revised version with some detail tomorrow morning. I was only too happy to do that because 10 of us were trying to cobble together some kind of way of being online uh, and presenting our services in that way. Well, the net result was that I was asked to be the director of our live streaming and video production uh, department, which we call Love Streaming at Heart and Soul. And I said, well, of course, yes, I am willing to do that. And so for all of these, these various jobs that I have had at Heart and Soul, I, I had them for as long as they were mine to do, and some of them I'm still doing. However, I think it's important to note that the common thread, if you've been paying attention to anything I've been saying, is that in any of them, I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't have any materials or supply that would support the idea of what I was supposed to do. I didn't know anybody at the time I was asked that could help me figure it all out. I basically had nothing. I myself was a blank slate. And yet somehow, everything that I needed, that we needed as a spiritual center was made available. Why? Because I was willing. And I began to realize that that was my call. This circuitous path of my ministry through all of these functions and, and whatever is yet to come is what I have been called to do, to be available and to be the place of willingness where God's perfect idea can take hold. And my willingness has only got to be not to do what I want to do, but to allow that to be fulfilled by God. Why am I telling you all this? Because the same is true for you. Whatever it is that you need to do or you're being called into by a divine urge, that thing, whether it's an urge to be in a loving relationship, an urge to be more prosperous, an urge to write a book, an urge to be in a new line of business, all of that is God-inspired. All you have to do is be willing and know that there is a way that is already provided for you, whether or not you know what you're doing, whether or not you've got any of the material supply. That's my real message this morning. That and the realization that I know who I am now. 
And I, I want to very, very quickly frame this up in a way that is easily understood. You know, way back in 2009 when we first started, a very dear friend bestowed on me a nickname, which some of you are familiar with. It's Revelo. It's just, you know, Rev with the last three letters of my first name smushed together, Revelo. And I really loved that name at the time. I've never been a stickler around titles and or whatever they're supposed to mean. And so I accepted Revelo. And over time, many people have called me Revelo at heart and soul. Well, now it's 12 years later. And one day about a year ago, I was in a grocery store somewhere and somebody came up to me and said, oh, hello, Mr. Revelo. And I barely understood who they were talking to. And I said, no, my name is Angelo. And, and the woman said, well, aren't you uh, at heart and soul? I said, well, yeah, but my name isn't Revelo. It's, it's Angelo. And so there was all of that. And it happened again somewhere else, something very similar. Well, here's what I know. And it's important to say I've decided to just lovingly release that delightful sobriquet, that nickname of Revelo, and to fully stand in the truth of who I am. I am a minister of God. My name is Reverend Angelo Allen. Thank you so much. Peace and blessings.
Good morning, everyone. I am Reverend Jack Elliott. I am the founding president of Heart and Soul Center of Light. I am so happy to be with you this morning. And I want to talk to you this morning about the divine urge or a minister's call to sacred service. You know, I answered the call nearly 35 years ago. A divine urge, as Ernest Holmes describes it in the science of mind, is, is a calling that you cannot ignore. Your life is forever changed once you receive the call. Once you know that ministry's yours to do, your journey is defined that way, where you can individualize the process, celebrate your gifts, and become the minister you were meant to be. Within the Centers for Spiritual Living, there are multiple ways that you can be a minister. There are founding ministers, there are senior ministers, spiritual directors, associate directors, associate ministers, staff ministers, even chaplains. But here's what's common amongst all of them. They have all been trained, they have all been taught, they have all been vetted in a similar fashion. In fact, they all have a license 
that they are ministers within the Centers for Spiritual Living organization. Now, there are other ministers that you're aware about, and those ministers are by appointment. So, for example, a senior minister or founding minister can appoint a minister of music, a minister of education, a minister of administration or operations, or even over chaplaincy. So there's that opportunity for them to fulfill their ministry, if you will, but by appointment, which means that they're serving that particular center because of the gift that they bring to the table. You know, our ministers that are licensed through the Centers for Spiritual Living are the ones that lead our centers, our teaching chapters, and our focused ministries. But we also know that there are ministers out there in the world doing some stuff. There are people out there that we call allies, people that we lift up at heart and soul as honorary members. Folks such as Susan L. Taylor, Michael Eric Dyson, Iyala Van Sant, Mary Morrissey come to mind. We claim them as our own in so many ways because they're fulfilling their ministry as authors, as producers, as editors, as television program hosts. They're out there doing it. You know, I'm also reminded that when I came up, my church that I grew up in, the Christian Church Disciples of Christ, had what was known as a Timothy. I was their Timothy. And Timothy is based on the teaching in the New Testament. Theologians learn that Paul had a commitment to lift up to teach, to mentor, to empower Timothy. He did so because he felt that Timothy met the qualifications. He was well-equipped for the job. He had the skills to do the job. He was empowered for success, and he was beloved by his community and ready for it. Well, we don't have such a Timothy program at Heart and Soul Center of Light but we do have one of our own that has risen up to answer the call to ministry. Reverend Sonia Russell. She got the urge. She got the divine nudge to answer the calling. She went to ministerial school and I am so happy to report that she recently graduated from ministerial school. Congratulations, Reverend Sonia. She was also recently awarded her provisional license with the Centers for Spiritual Living. So what does that mean? That means she's ready to embark on a journey not unlike Timothy, to have the sponsorship, the coaching, the mentoring, the additional leadership training, the commitment to continuous improvement that will empower her as she embarks upon her journey to fully knowing her calling as a minister. We congratulate her on her provisional license. We know that she has the love of our community. And so today, I hope you join me in lifting up Reverend Sonia Russell. As we say, congratulations on graduating. Congratulations on receiving your provisional license. And as we say at Heart and Soul Center of Light, Salbona.
thank you, Tammy Hall. I love me some Tammy Hall, I tell you. And I love that she entitled that piece, Now, because there's so much that is that feels up for me now, <laughs> with an exclamation point. That it's like this immediate now, there's, there's so many pieces. So I just, I, I wanna honor that Reverend Angelo has much more of a sense of humor than I ever realized, <laughs> let me just say. And, and a different sense of how time unfolds, but I'm loving the way he collapsed it all into just 15 minutes of, you know, the entire 12 years of all, just a brilliant mind. And uh, I'm so grateful for Reverend Jack and his love and willingness, in fact, for our our founding ministerial circle, it, it is just so much love and trust, and, and it's based on the willingness that Reverend Angelo spoke to. My sense is that for this immediate now, that what's required is the willingness, certainly, this, this idea of uh, the blank slate that Reverend Angelo spoke of, to me, it seems to sit on a foundation of love and willingness and skills. That there's got to be some skills. And so I am looking forward. I'm celebrating you, Reverend Sonia. I'm celebrating the work that you have done to complete your work through school. And now the mentoring, now the, the actual work begins where folks really decide what, what is it they're going to do and how is it going to be done and, and really bringing form to it. So ideally, Reverend Sonia, your Timothy experience, if you will, that includes mentoring and continuous learning and a, the plan for our beloved Reverend Sonia will call forth a new minister for heart and soul if that is, in fact, what is for the highest and best. And so we just look forward to the process because Lord knows I, I did not believe. I knew I had a calling. I did not picture this until I did. And it certainly was not in the beginning. It was not when I graduated ministerial school, so it remains to be seen. But look, here's the thing that I love about, and I'm going to call forth in uh, Paul's communication with Timothy, his disciple, if you will, his student, is, um, is in 2 Timothy, the first chapter, the seventh verse, where it says, my version of it at least says, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and a sound mind. And in truth, you know, when we, any translation that we have of Scripture is from some translator. So this Scripture in particular, if you look in a variety of uh, translations, you know, just pick some, you won't necessarily find sound mind. Because this idea is one of what is required of us 
to do this work. What is, and, and this message to Timothy was when Timothy is incarcerated. So this is a message of encouragement. This is, this is somebody who already knows that ministry is not a skip to Maloo. That it's not at all just, I do what I want to do. And so in this place, Paul is, is speaking, writing the best that he can to Timothy's heart. To say, there's, there's so much more you're going to have to do. This, this isn't even the worst of it. And if you really know the story, you understand. I'm not going to cite the story because it, you know, it makes it hard to use it as our example right now. Because who would want to do that? But this idea of do not be beset by fear. Do not allow your mind to run away with you. Do not engage the worst case scenarios. But instead, know that that what you've been given by right of consciousness, generationally, because what he really says is, I know your mama and I know your aunt. I know your people. And they lived from the power and love in the clear awareness of the living one, the strong one. So look, Ernest Holmes it wrote in 1927, he wrote what I believe, you know, a personal declaration. He said, this is what I believe. The story is told that he's been asked a lot, well, what do you believe? And he said, essentially, this is what I believe, and there are several stanzas. Many years later, the, um, the organization, if you will, Science of Mind, then translated it to what we believe, thereby taking on, personalizing, if you will, what the organization stands for. And, of course, it was written, you know, I told you it was written in 1927, so the language was somewhat, I'm just going to say archaic. And so there's been some tweaking of that. So what I want you to know is I've just excerpted it and also shifted the language some for our simplicity. And I'm only going to, they're going to put up on the screen for you what I thought I would get to, but I'm only going to get to one. And the one I'm going to get to, just to manage my time a little better, is we believe that the universal spirit, the divine, the living one, the strong one, operates through a universal mind, the law of the living one, the strong one. Are you following? That those aren't separate things. So the universal mind is the law of. It's the operating principle of, not two separate ideas here. And that we, all of us, are surrounded by this creative mind out of which all has come. In the beginning, the living one, the strong one. And out of that, everything you can name, number, see, imagine, feel has come, without exception. Now, that's enough to just drop the mic and go sit down. Because somebody is probably saying, you know, my head hurts already, Rev. I need a break. 
because this right here is the crux. There's a lot in the Declaration of Principles, and I'm, I'm, I have an, a vision that I'm going to bring that up and kind of pull to the side and park, and just for, for several weeks kind of go through it so that we can acknowledge our sense of who we are and how we are and what our relationship is with the divine. What is it that we're declaring by our tuning in, by our studying, by our being? And certainly as ministers, this is it. This right here is the Holy Grail in a sense. Do you so we're surrounded by the creative all in all. We call it the creative mind. And here's what we know about that. We know that that, that creative mind, whatever you call it, and different people in different places call it different things. Don't get caught up on the call and just call it. That whatever that is, I'm calling it the creative mind. Ernest Holmes called it creative mind. That receives the direct, did y'all hear me say direct? Direct impress. Not the he said, she said. Not the, I think I might want to, but the direct impress. And see, the direct impress is not just what you tell people you believe. And that's a thing. That's a thing unto itself. You know, let somebody put a mic in front of you or do you just over dinner ask you about what you believe. Something comes through. But that may be not evidenced in your life. And your life is always evidence of what you believe. Come on, be the minister. Be the minister by way, I'm not talking licensing and affiliation. I'm talking consciousness, a clear conscious awareness of what time is it on your planet. The direct impress of our thought and then takes off with it, acts on it. How did life get to be the way it is? Because I thought something that called forth that experience. That's how life, that's the only way it gets to be. Now, okay, so look, that is true. That is absolutely true. And I got to be clear here. That what I just said is the absolute truth. What we must simultaneously at the same time allow for is from whence we're coming. So that means I once saw, oh, and I wish I'd, I, I brought it here. There's, there's a great image of, there are two images that we're comparing here. The first image has three children of different ages and heights, sizes, shapes, and they are all on the same size box. And they're in front of a fence. But only the tallest one can see over. It's talking about equity is the idea here. And even though they have the same size box, it doesn't give them the same access. Yes? And then the next picture shows that the taller one has a shorter box and can still see. The middle one has kind of a middle-sized box. And that one can still see. And the shorter one has the tallest box. And that's what enables that one to see. So this idea of our, our thoughts create 
our lives is absolutely the truth. But there's some work to get underneath those thoughts to heal the generational trauma, to heal the unhealed wounds so that one can stand on the right box to see over, so that one can have access so that this can be true for each and every one of us. And by true, I mean with a lowercase. It is true with an uppercase T, meaning that it doesn't matter what you think, do, or know. It still is true. But then there's the lowercase truth that has everything to do with your awareness. And the lowercase here is that you may not have evidence of the direct impress of your thought because of the unhealed wound. You can't even see what your real thoughts have been. I don't know that that's making sense to everybody, but when you are stuck in your stuckness, in the past, in whatever happened, or you think it happened, or it didn't happen, and you think it should have, the degree to which you're stuck there, the direct impress of your thought from that place, no matter how it looks, now, and let me tell you the truth, it don't matter how many affirmations you take, you, you say, it's not going to be enough. It just won't be because you're simply, now, it's better than not doing them. This is why I got to fork my tongue sometimes because even though I know and will tell you the truth that a trillion affirmations from the place of woundedness and non-deservability is not going to get you what you desire. Why? Because the direct impress of your thought, which is unworthiness and non-deservability, that's the impress to which the divine acts. That's what's going to be called forth, is whatever is, going, is in alignment with that unhealed. So you see, we... we, we <clears throat> this is my work. This is my work. I feel that my current work is to translate some of this so that we can, we know what it is for the ones who can stand on the tall box or the ones who don't require a taller box. That's what I really meant to say. We, we know that this absolutely works for the one who can skip in and hop on a box and they can see it all. We know that it works because it works, it's true. But for the one who's going to need a lift, come on now, y'all know the drill. Y'all see my hands right here. That this is how we do it. That we got to give some of the folks a lift up. So that they can go, oh, that's what you're talking about. Because before they get the boost up, it's gobbledygook. I've been affirm affirming. I've been praying. I've been reading this, I've been talking about this, I've been going to the places, I've been taking the classes, but the healing has not taken place. I just got to say it straight up. So look. Whew, come on now, look here. Psalm 1 has always given me tremendous solace. This is what often just reminds me, look, I'm going to bring it to you the way well, it's not written this way anywhere. This is my little combo 
version. Because what did I tell you? If you get King James, it has some of the words I want. If you get the Aramaic for English speakers, American speakers, it'll, that'll give me some of it. The Peshitta has some of it. You know what I mean? The, the um, New International, it'll give me some. And so I do my own little combo because I want to get to to what's true for me, and then I have to update it because I grow. My consciousness expands. What did I say? We're going to be engaging Sonia in some mentoring and continuous learning. In my own continuous learning, i got to rewrite my affirmation. I have to rewrite how my scripture works. And this is just Psalm 1 according to Reverend Doctor. Look at here. Blessed, which means happy, fulfilled. That's what we're talking about. I am happy and fulfilled. I'm going to do it for me. You do it for you. I am happy and fulfilled because I walk not in the way of evil, and I'm not standing in the council of sinners, to, which means I'm not, I'm not standing. I'm not, I might move through. Yea, though I walk through the valley of death, I'm not pulling over, stopping for coffee. I'm not hanging out. I'm not going to buy a condo. I'm not going to be staying in an Airbnb or whatever the thing is. I'm not doing none of that. I'm going to move through that. You understand what I'm saying? So, so this is what it is. It's not that, that, I, that it won't happen. It's not that I won't have access to it. It's not that there won't be some level of engagement, but I'm going to be moving through that and forgiving and working it all out for me. Yes? Okay, I hope this is clear. And it's this idea of that, see, I won't stand nor will I sit in the seat of the people who don't believe it. See, it matters. Your mama tried to tell you it really matters who you hang out with. This is why I, rem I, I recommend Heart and Soul to you. This is why there's a sense of community that we will continue. In 2022, we will do our best to engage you more because, you know, we started this not understanding that we was going to be doing this this long. And so we're going to be, because our coming back together, we want to, we want to establish some ways to make it easier for us. Why? Because I know me. I know I have now passed the threshold of this being good for me. You know, at first it was like, oh, Lord, thank you. I can be by myself and I can get my stuff done. Okay, nobody come over. I don't have to go nowhere. That was heaven for those of us who rock like that. The introverts in, are listening. Right, get, get in the chat right now. Hallelujah. But now, we have passed the point of no return. Somebody is saying the extroverts have become introverts, and let me just say they don't know how. So, you know, that's dangerous for the planet. The extroverts trying to be introverts, you know that's a danger to the planet. We're going to have to put some things together so that we can be all right. Because you I can't, I don't even want to picture that. I do not. So look, here's the part. But this one, the one who is committed to not hanging out in that that they know is not good for them. It don't try, you know, it's between you and you. I know you're gonna tell me you didn't know better and it was all that, but in your heart you knew better. You really do. And I'm not going to necessarily push you and ask you to confess, but you know. You know not to be there. You know not to engage in that. You know not to do that. You know not to say that. You, know, you already know. And that's what that first verse is about, is the one willing to set this stuff straight. 
to walk in the narrow way. Yes, that one, the one that does that, that one's pleasure is in the law. The living one, the strong one. And on this law, the energetic presence, that one meditates day and night, defers to. When the thing comes up, let's, oh, no, guide me, because you see, I could act a, guide me through this. You see what I mean? That, that deference. Because that one knows and finds its pleasure and yields, my mother would say, on what side its bread is buttered. It, that one discerns on what side the bread is buttered and it defers to that side. I hope, get somebody to help translate that. That last verse The one who does that, checks that out, that one will be like a tree. <laughs> a tree. You can feel the strength of that. The strength of that planted by rivers of water whose leaves never wither, who, who's, who bears its fruit in its season, in ex which means exactly the right time, the perfect time. See, that one understands that there's a divine rhythm, and however, how it comes, that's the way it's to come. Oh, there's something here for us. All that she does, all that I do, I accomplish and I prosper. Why? Because I don't set out to do it unless I know that it's divine guidance. That's why it gets accomplished. How do you think heart and soul is here? Because we listen to divine guidance. There were a lot of other voices. We don't speak of them because they're not the divine guidance and we know it. But those of you who were close in there, you know that there, were a lot of, there was a lot of noise. There was a lot of noise. And we stayed on the narrow path to not be distracted, to not stand in the council of sinners where you can see the mistake in it unfolded. Because you know sin is but a mistake. It's missing the mark. So when you see it, you say something. Not to the world, to you. This isn't right to do. I'm not doing this. I'm not being a part of this. Not to sit in the seat of those who don't even understand what it is. Not to engage that. This is about being planted by rivers of water. You're going to have to be down by the riverside, won't you? Down by the riverside. To be planted by rivers of water? Down by the riverside. What river? Could be the River Jordan. For the Hebrew children, the River Jordan. It could be the Ohio River, though. For some of my ancestors. Do you see? The freedom trek from slavery in these United States. But what I know, don't know which river, but I know you got to get yourself down by the riverside. So licensed minister or not, your ministry for your life includes get thee to the riverside.
I often do is incorporate certain readings and prayers in my talk, in my final prayer. Why? Because if you know you can find it, you can get thee to it yourself. If I just pray, what I heard for years is, oh, I wish I could pray like that. Oh, I wish I had a recording of you. No, don't worry about none of that. You get busy reading some of the same prayers I'm sharing with you. My intent, y'all understand. So this is an excerpt from Louise Hayes' um, Heart Thoughts. And it's entitled Abundance. It dovetails so beautifully with our 365 days of abundance. And so I ask you to just assume the position of prayer. I don't know if that means bowing your head. I hope it means allowing your eyelids to close. Not, I'm not asking you to close your eyes because I want you to see. But I'm asking you to allow your eyelids to close so that you shut out all distractions. And you can be focused on what's happening on the inside. What's your growing edge? Where is the awareness sparking? Where is the truth popping out? And just allow my voice to be yours. There is one life. Oh, one amazing power. One loving presence. I call it the living one, the strong one. And I know that I am living the life of the living one, the strong one. And I know that the life of the living one, the strong one, is living me. And I know that what's true for me is simply true. So each and every one of us is living the life of the living one, the strong one. And the life of the living one, the strong one, is living each and every one of us. I know and I know that I am one with all of life. Why? Because there's only one life. <laughs> so I have to be one with all of life. There's only one life and I'm in it. I am surrounded and in fact I am permeated with infinite wisdom. I rely totally on divine love divine source, the living one, the strong one, to support me in every positive way. Everything I could possibly need is already here awaiting my acknowledgement and engagement. Everything I could possibly need, my heart's desire is already here awaiting my acknowledgement and engagement. This planet has more food on it than I could possibly eat. There is more money than I could ever possibly spend. There are more people than I could ever meet and connect with in this life and the next and the one after that. There is more love than I could possibly experience. There is more joy than I can even imagine. This world has everything I need and desire. It is all mine to engage for the highest and best of all. And I do, knowing that there is one infinite mind, one infinite intelligence that always says yes. It says yes to me, no matter what I choose to believe or think or say. The divine, the living one, the strong one, 
always says yes. <laughs> and because of this, because of that hook of my awareness that it's always going to say yes and bring what I said I wanted, what I thought I wanted, what I begged for, whether or not it's the best for me. It's because I know that that's true that I do not waste my time on negative thinking or negative subjects. I choose to see myself and live in the most positive ways. I say yes to opportunity and prosperity. I say yes to health and well-being. I say yes to harmonious, loving, respectful relationships. I say yes to all good. I am a yes person living in a yes world. I say yes. I say yes, and my yes is being responded to by a yes. A divine yes. And I rejoice that this is so. Oh, Mother, Father, God, divine source, living one, strong one, I am grateful to be one in universal wisdom and to know that this is the truth of my being. To know that I am backed by a universal power that is all in all, that I rest and I sleep well at night knowing that it's done unto me as I am believing. And so I use this moment, these words, to shift my believing, to align it with perfect truth. I give thanks to the living one, the strong one, for all that is mine to enjoy in the here and now. I am grateful. My heart overflows with thanksgiving, divine appreciation, and gratitude for this awareness, for the divine unfoldment, for the presence of irrefutable law acting on this word, clearing the way, manifesting truth, light, love in my life and the life of all who declare it, who know it to be so. I simply seal this word, and I release it into the perfect activity of law, which I know is love, divine love, and I let it be, knowing it cannot possibly return void, but it must absolutely produce in like kind. So sealing this for all eternity, I simply say, Ashe, Ashe, Asheo, and so it is. Amen. Love matters, y'all.